Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag #FashionCulture. Movies were born in black and white, but costume designers have always designed in color. Pink has played a perpetual starring role, but for its Hollywood debut, it stood in for white. Prior to the invention of color motion pictures, film audiences experienced dozens of shades of gray, black, and white on screen. Filmmakers experimented with sometimes bizarre photographic effects that color costumes produced on film, and they adapted accordingly. Costume designer Max Ray noted in a 1927 interview that few cinematographers will stand for white as it produces a glaring effect on screen. And with white taboo, dress shirts and the colors of male stars in black and white films usually were pink, which gave the best effect. And this is Mary Pickford with her original dress on the left, now faded, at the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. The same year, MGM costume designer Andre Ani created a pink wedding gown for Norma Shearer in The Demi Bride. With the headline, Brides Wear Pink in Film, the Washington Post reported, at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, studio brides wear pink and widows wear red, because at the time, red photographed black on screen. And here is Norma Shearer, Appeared to, be west, dre, uh, appeared to be wearing a white wedding gown, but she was actually dressed in pink. The next clip is from the 1935 Paramount Studios promotional film, The Fashion Side of Hollywood, with costume designer Travis. Um, <clears throat> in 1930, uh, the arrival of color was breathlessly anticipated. Uh, Popular Science quoted a studio chief who prematurely announced Three years from now, the black and white photo play will be as rare as the silent picture is today. And by 1936, dazzling three-strip Technicolor was established as the studio's favorite format for its big-budget musicals and epics. Ramona, starring Loretta Young, was the fourth feature film-length American film to use three-strip Technicolor. <clears throat> When Pink arrived, it was already telegraphing a double message to the audience. In the 1977 book, The Dance Away Lover, the authors described the tough, fragile disposition as a strong, independent woman whose outer strength often belies a fragile interior. Our pink heroines are dressed deliberately to deceive. Pink is a storytelling tool that has been wielded by filmmakers as a pretty lure, often paired with sheer soft fabrics and feathers. Everything about this dress is fragile and yielding when the opposite is true. The power of pink-clad characters is revealed as the narrative unfolds. Ramona, uh, brought up in a wealthy household, acts against her family's wishes falling in love and marrying a Native American chief, later to learn that she is half Native American herself. 
Amongst a long list of classics that Hollywood's greatest year, 1939, produced, The Wizard of Oz was resplendent in technicolor. In his novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Frank Baum introduced his readers to Glinda the Good Witch, who wore a gown of pure white. And by the way, Dorothy's shoes were silver. For Billy Burke's on-screen appearance as Glinda, MGM costume designer Gilbert Adrian created a frothy gown of pink tulle embellished with crystal butterflies and stars. Here in the film frame, standing next to Judy Garland as Dorothy, you can see Adrian's dilemma. By changing Frank Baum's white to pink, Adrian allowed Dorothy to take center stage. Frank Baum's big white Glinda gown would have been too distracting, too overwhelming. This is Dorothy's story. The pink, the change to pink did nothing to diminish Glinda's power to protect Dorothy with a single kiss throughout her travels in Oz, transported by a pink bubble power craft. Glinda was omniscient as the good witch and revered by her munchkin subjects who bow on her arrival. Studios made full use of Technicolor in the 1940s, and garish escapist musicals were a favorite of wartime audiences. During and after World War II, Atlantic embargoes resulted in shortages of dyes and of fabric. But these constraints did not handicap costume designer Helen Rose on the big budget MGM 1946 extravaganza, the Ziegfeld Follies. Rose designed hundreds of pink costumes for a solid gold cast of musical stars. For the bizarre pink circus sequence, ringmaster Lucille Ball, her red hair topped with sky-high feathers, wears a pink jersey gown. And without an ounce of what would later become her trademark humor, Dominatrix Ball cracks a pink satin whip over a pride of eight panthers. A surreal Apache dance follows as an unsmiling ball flourishes her whip while looking like a strawberry sundae. <laughs> Musicals continued to thrive and to drive audiences to the cinema throughout the 50s. By the time William Trevia designed the costumes for Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, he was accustomed to working around the production code. This set of moral guidelines, which included costumes, was enacted in the early 1930s by film studios to avoid government intervention. There was a censor on every single film set, uh, checking for cleavage and for other provocations like the dangerous female navel. <laughs> for Marilyn Monroe's show-stopping number, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, Trava concocted a nearly naked fishnet and crystal costume. But the censors balked and they rejected this design. In haste, Trevia created a dress out of what he had on hand. Yar yards of pink silk podange, which he backed with stiff billiard felt. This dress was created in one day. Trevia said, lined in billiard felt, any other girl would have looked like she was wearing cardboard. But on screen, 
I swear you would have thought Marilyn had on a pale, thin piece of pink silk. Her body was so fabulous, it came through. There are striking similarities between Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend and Lucille Ball's Ziegfeld uh, Follies Pink Service mus musical numbers. Here, instead of subduing female part, uh, panthers, Monroe's prey, prey are her tuxedo-clad, top-hatted male suitors. No one doubts that Lucille Ball and Marilyn Monroe are definitely in command of their femininity. They are demanding center stage, and they own it. Pink was a popular color for costume designer Jean-Louis, who collaborated with Doris Day on her elegant film costumes throughout her career. Jean-Louis created unfussy and often stylish clothes for a day while she parried with her handsome leading men. Uh-oh, sorry. Uh, Day was the start of light comedies, but Jean-Louis made certain that she never looked silly. And that contrast, smart, stylish, and funny, also helped the comedy. For a long, complicated night scene in The Thrill of It All, this beautiful pink satin evening coat was created to illuminate Doris Day in the center of a very dark frame. And pink was leveraged as a storytelling tool throughout the 50s and early 60s in every genre and, every Holly, and, with, and by every Hollywood designer, including Edith Head for Grace Kelly in To Catch a Thief and Cecil Beaton for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. And in both of these films and others, pink was employed by the filmmakers and the costume designers to denote <clears throat> to denote strong female characters who were comfortable with their femininity. In each of these stories, the women lead and control the plot and the action. Using pink underscores that point to the audience. In the black comedy, What a Way to Go, and you, if you haven't seen it, I would say run, don't walk. Um, in What a Way to Go, the four-time widowed Louisa May Foster, Shirley MacLaine, is in search of the simple life. The proverbial black widow, Louisa sur survives each husband while accumulating every trapping of 60s glamour. Edith had 72 costumes for MacLean, including hair to heel pink, when she marries Pinky Benson, Gene Kelly, guide the audience from her marriage to marriage. Head proclaimed, if you ran this picture without sound, Shirley's clothes would tell you the story. 20th Century Fox marketed the movie with pink parties. Pink, Fox assured reporters, and without irony, would be popular in Hollywood again for the first time since the Hollywood investigations. And that meant the McCarthy congressional investigations. And this was a time when the term pinko was still used pejoratively to describe communist sympathizers. <clears throat> Hollywood shifted with the breakup of the studios in the mid-60s. The independent film and the naturalistic look that it brought to the American cinema more closely reflected the closets of real people. When Rosanna Norton was hired to design Carrie in 1976, she first read Stephen King's novel. But in King's book, 
Carrie's prom dress was red. As Carrie is crowned prom queen, she is humiliated by her tormentors, bloodied and enraged. She flexes her superpower, and in Norton's pale pink satin slip, takes her revenge on her bullies as the ballroom bursts into flames. Carrie is fragile no more. Norton explained to director Brian De Palma that the blood wouldn't show vividly on Stephen King's red dress, and De Palma agreed, sorry, and uh, De Palma agreed immediately to pink. De Palma also had to make the dialogue change when Carrie's mother first saw uh, her red dress and called her a scarlet whore. When costume designer Albert Wolski created the film version of the 50s-themed musical Grease, he reimagined the Pink Lady's original Broadway costumes. Wolski conceived their pink satin windbreakers to make them feel like they belonged to a special club. Producer Alan Carr persuaded Wolski to use a shade of pink so intense and so vibrant that it was beyond Wolski's comfort zone. Wolski said, the colors took the film to another level. After I got over the initial shock, it was fun. These pink jackets cloak the insecurities and teenage vulnerabilities of this fake, tough girl gang. And here, the, the tough, fragile dichotomy works most strikingly in the character of Rizzo, played by Stockard Channing. After pink lady Frenchie, played by Dee Dee Kahn, accidentally tints her hair bubblegum pink, she's joined by Frankie Avalon for the fantasy musical number Beauty School Dropout. The wig was Dee Dee Kahn's epiphany. Kahn remembered that the pink wig immediately altered her performance's Frenchie. She said, I looked in the mirror and thought, I better forget everything. I look bizarre enough with this pink hair. <clears throat> if I do anything funny on top of it, it'll be too much. The power of pink and all that this color infers did this acting for her. A huge rock music fan, writer, director, producer John Hughes picked this film's soundtrack before he produced Pretty in Pink in 1986. The film was inspired by the psychedelic first songs of the of the same name. I think I skipped a slide, there she is. Hugh's screenplay centered on Andy Walsh, Molly Ringwald, a high school outsider from the wrong side of the tracks. Andy's individuality shines in, thrift store closet, in a thrift store closet of granny florals and lace, which is given an edge by her more masculine bowler hats and blazers. Andy is infatuated by pink and the color is her signature. Pink is employed throughout the film <coughs> to express and to anchor Andy's strong self, sense of self. In the final act of the screenplay, Andy combines two very unlovely pink dresses to create an Andy original, a deep pink polka dotted prom dress that defines her uniqueness and her refusal to conform. But in the fitting room, Molly Ringwald had a meltdown. She hated this invention, and she argued 
for a more conventional look. Costume designer Marilyn Vance remembers that on that day, John Hughes was not having any of it. A, a, a key plot point for Andy, Ringwald had no choice but to wear this dress. Vance recalls, every choice that we made was about the development of character. Even if Andy had had the money, she would never would have bought one of those ordinary prom dresses. The pink wedding dress for Coming to America has remained an audience favorite decades later. The beautiful and brainy Lisa McDowell, Sherry Headley, marries Prince Akeem, Eddie Murphy, in a spectacular finale to this fairy tale. Like Adrian's choice of pink instead of white for Glinda the Good Witch, I faced a similar challenge. <clears throat> a white wedding dress could blow out the frame like the bright whites in early cinema. And there was a danger that Eddie Murphy, her groom, would disappear next to a big white dress. Ivory and yellow clashed with Sherry Headley's delicate complexion. Blue was too somber, and this bride could not wear red. But the character of Lisa McDowell, a self-determined college graduate and future queen of Zamunda, could carry this candy pink fairy tale wedding dress and easily retain her independence, her authority, respect, and the admiration of her subjects and her audience. The Fembot <clears throat> proved a worthy adversary for Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery in 1997. Austin Powers' Mike Myers discovers these doll-like creatures lounging in their boudoir. Costume designer Dina Appel said that she utilized a tonal range of pink from the palest to bubblegum pink, which seemed like the most seductive choice. These girls were on the spectrum. They were dangerously pink. Lampooning James Bond's, uh, James Bond's tricked out Aston Martin, the script noted that nozzles pop out of the tips of the Fembot's bra, a cloud of multicolor gas spews from the novels. And with her costume department busily manufacturing the rest of the film, Appel had no choice but to outsource these Fembot designs to be made by trashy lingerie, which <laughs> which sold these negligees long after the film was released. <clears throat> Pink has also been cast in the darkest cinema stories like Fight Club in, 19, in 1999. The original novel provided costume designer Michael Kaplan with a rich text from which to draw inspiration. Michael Kaplan said only the character of Marla Singer Helena Bonham Carter would buy a thrift shop bridesmaid's dress for day wear, and what better color for a bridesmaid? Kaplan custom designed and manufactured the pink chiffon and acetate dress, and quote, then began destroying it, ripping it, pulling off all the pearl trim, tearing holes, adding cigarette burns, and discoloring it with tea. Like many film costumes, it was thrift shop by way of couture. For the film, 
Kaplan had intended to dress Marla almost entirely in black. But then he found the script note specifically identifying pink for this change. He found it to be incongruous, but a strong choice. Kaplan said, pink has strong connotations and makes a big statement if used to make a point about the dual nature of femininity. This duality was underscored in the costumes for Legally Blonde. <clears throat> While script notes included multiple references to the color pink, costume designer Sophie Rakoff said that originally we thought about different signature colors for Reese Witherspoon in pink for Elle, like blue and purple. But these possibilities were jettisoned during her research visit to a college soror a sorority with Reese Witherspoon. They were absolutely astounded that everyone was in pink. <laughs> Durakoff said, we created a color scheme that followed the dramatic arc of the narrative, which went from lighter pinks to hotter pinks and purples. L became the embodiment of pink. <clears throat> To keep us focused on Elle in the center of the frame at law school, the color palette of the surrounding cast becomes desaturated, and later at her law firm, it's monoch uh, monochromatic gray, black, and white. The costume design for the rest of the film is naturalistic, but subdued. For Elle, pink is more than a style. It's a stratagem. It's a misdirect. It disarms and distracts those who may underestimate her intellect and her capabilities, all to her advantage in the competitive courtroom. Tina Fey's script for Mean Girls included explicit character notes and an explicit color palette, including pink. As a member of the girl clique, The Plastics, Karen Amanda Seyfried, explains to the new girl, Caddy Lindsay Lohan, on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Costume designer Mary Jane Fort's research included visits to local high schools and their fashion-forward seniors because she wanted the plastics to sparkle like the brightest, shiniest ball on the Christmas tree. The plastic's ironic pastel palette supports Tina Fey's desire for them to be poisonously pretty. Mary Jane Fort said, when you see this group, you want to feel like you walked into something delicious, even though it's kind of bad for you. Caddy is the outsider who desperately seeks inclusion and the transformative power of pink. When the worst is revealed, pink is not so pretty, Caddy accepts her best self. Costume designers have always used color to create character, and the choice of any color on screen must always be supported by the story. Pink allows the director to subvert and to make fun of the color's natively sweet connotation. Pink is used to conceal and then to reveal personality. Pink has been utilized by costume designers to express femininity and hyperfemininity. Pink confectionery created by feathers, tulle, chiffon, sometimes has a dark side. 
as in Carrie, Fight Club, and Mean Girls, Pink provides plot twists for the unwary. Pink can be a warning. The wearer may bite. For Lisa in Coming to America and Elle in Legally Blonde, Pink expresses self-knowledge, strength, maturity, and a rite of passage. On the screen, and forever, Pink will continue to take her place as just a pretty face and, more provocatively, as the dark side of our complex female nature. The color may be pretty, but the message can pack a powerful punch. Thank you. Thank you.